It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. We've been walking through Ephesians chapter 4 and looking at the clothing of a Christian. Now, if you missed the last study, we kind of gave a big overview of this put-off and put-on reality. What I want to do in this particular study is give an overview of where Paul goes from here. In other words, if we truly have learned Christ, if we have put on the Lord Jesus Christ, well, okay, good, but so what? Where, where, where does this go from here? Paul, in the very next verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, says this, Therefore, now pause right there. <laughs> Whenever you come to the word therefore in scripture, it's really good to ask the question, and this is cheesy and it's an old statement, but what is the therefore, therefore? In other words, the therefore is a term that reaches back and grabs a hold of what was just said and says, okay, I'm going to take that idea and bring it somewhere. So again, Paul's been talking about this great contrast. He's talking about this idea of, I put off the old lifestyle, that old philosophy of the world, that, that old mindset and the corrupt nature of sin and selfishness, and I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So because of that reality, because I am clothed with Christ, well, let this begin to affect every area of your life. So this isn't just for Sunday mornings. This isn't just for Wednesday night prayer services. This is actually this clothing of a Christian is for every moment of every single day for the rest of your life. That this should, should affect how you think and how you talk and your motives and your attitudes. And this should affect everything in your life. So what I want to do is I just want to read verse 25 just down to the end of the chapter. But I want to walk through just in a really broad sense. What is Paul saying about, okay, I learned Christ. So what? Now, where does this go? So listen to what Paul says starting in verse 25. He says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for building up what is needed, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has graciously forgiven you. It's interesting to me that Paul says, okay, you are wearing the clothing of a Christian. You have put on Jesus Christ. Let's get practical. Let's just start going through areas of our life and let's talk about what does it mean to put off the old, put on Jesus. And again, he starts with this idea of therefore put off. Now, we looked at this word earlier when we're talking about that idea of putting off our old nature, but that word to put off or to lay aside means to stop oneself 
from being in a state or a condition. It's to, to take off, to lay aside, or to put away. Again, if, if you want a, a deeper dive on this, you can go back to an earlier study and, and walk through that. But again, it's interesting that that word, lay aside or put aside or put off, is only used eight times in the New Testament. And of all the times, it's often or it's always used to talk about something negative or, or sinful that we're to set aside, except for one time. One time it's used in the physical sense when they're about to stone Stephen and the men who are who are uh, about to stone Stephen take off their cloaks and put them off, lay them aside at the feet of Paul. And you can ask the question, well, how were they putting off their garments? Well, they're about to kill a man. So they're in this anger and this frustration and they are trying to remove everything from their lives that's going to hinder them from killing Stephen. And I asked the question earlier, what would, it look like, what would it look like if we did that with all of sin? What if we were to put off all sin like that? That there was a, like, it's like picking up a baseball and throwing it as far from you as feasibly possible. That we're not going to dabble in sin. We are going to get rid of sin in our lives. Now Paul uses that same word here saying, okay, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, put off lying. And he starts going through a list of things that if I may use the illustration that we are to put off and something to put on. So what I want to do is I want to walk through this series of contrasts with you and look at what Paul says. And this will be really quick. But what does he say that we're going, we should be putting off from our former way of living and putting on in the sense of Jesus? Now, in future studies, we're going to be walking through this passage verse by verse by verse. So we'll go into each of these a little bit more, more deeply. But I want to, again, just give a broad overview as an outflow of this clothing of a Christian idea. Again, if I'm clothed with Christ, what does that mean practically? So Paul starts with this one. He says in verse 25 that if you're clothed with Christ, you must put off lying and deceit. And rather, I'm to put on the truth. Isn't it interesting that if I put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he is truth. And as such, my life must be marked with truth. Therefore, anything that is false, anything that is a lie, must be thrown out of my life. Uh, we're going to look at this a little bit deeper in a future study. But I've discovered in the midst of the study <laughs> something that has been so convicting to me. And it's the fact that I can speak true words and still cause someone to hear a lie. In other words... Uh, my, my classic example is this mother looks at her son and says, little Johnny, um, Bertha is a bad influence in your life and I don't want you hanging with Bertha. And so Johnny goes up to his mom and says, Hey, there's a party, you know, I'm going to go hang out at Bob's house on Friday night. And mom says, okay, sure. Great. Have a good time with Bob. And he goes over there and it just so happens that guess who's there. Bertha's there. And he hangs out and says hi to Bob and has some fun with Bob. But, but he's hanging, hanging out with Bertha the whole time. He comes home and mom asks little Johnny, hey, Johnny, uh, how, how was time at Bob's? And he's like, oh, it was great. I had a great time with Bob. He just spoke true words, but in so doing, he told his mother a lie. Do you realize that happens all the time? Do you, do you realize that when we're in those group conversations and, and we either say or don't say something because we want to make ourselves look a little bit better to the people around us? That's still falsehood. And if I truly am clothed with Christ, I have put on truth 
And any form of deception, any form of deceit, any form of lying, I've actually thrown out of my life. Paul says, you know what the clothing of a Christian looks like? It's not just in the words we speak, that's true, but it's in the life that we live. So you are to put on truth and throw off deceit and lying. He goes on in verse 26 and 27 and says that we are to put off unrighteous anger and we are to put on righteous anger. It's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? That we can be angry as Christians. But the difference is, is it a righteous anger or an unrighteous anger? And you could ask the question, well, how do we know the difference? (laughs) When you look at scripture, Jesus was angry. There's this great scene where Jesus comes into the temple. He sees the corruption and the pollution of what's happening in the temple. And in zeal and jealousy for God's house, he flips over the tables and runs out the money chamber, uh, chambers, <laughs> runs out the money changers and lets all the animals loose. And he builds that, remember that he builds the whip and he just drives this all out. Well, that is a righteous anger. Well, then what is an unrighteous anger? And how do we know the difference? And maybe this is very simplistic, but this is how I've been defining it in my mind. Unrighteous anger has me at the center. If I'm getting frustrated or I'm getting angry, I have to stop and ask the question, okay, Nathan, why am I angry? Is it because someone over here is doing something that affects me? Because if that is so, most likely it's unrighteous anger. It's pride. And I don't like what they're doing to me. Well, then what is a righteous anger? Imagine you're walking on a road and you see this little kid getting beat up. And you look at that attitude of this bully and you're like, that is not right. And you walk up and you're like, stop it. Do you realize that that's actually, that's actually a good for a Christian to walk in a righteous anger that has nothing to do with me. And yet, because I'm wanting to rescue and protect the vulnerable and the orphan and the destitute and the widow and the, then I should have a, I should have a righteous anger that rises up against injustice if you want a great passage to read, read Job 29. Job says, look at my life. And as you begin to walk through Job's life, you begin to realize that he had righteous anger, that, that he would help the widow and the orphan, that, that as he saw a lion approaching a flock, he would stop that lion from hurting the innocent. So Paul says, unrighteous anger, again, anger that's centered around my life and how it affects me and the frustrations that I have because of what you're doing against me, That's not a part of Christ. That if I'm going to actually be clothed with Christ, that I can't walk in pride. I can't walk in that offense and that frustration and that anger because it affects me. And you can't use the excuse, well, it's just my personality. (laughs) That's the whole point of the passage. The therefore passage. That Christ has changed your nature. That that was who you once were, not who you now are in Christ Jesus. So would you let him affect and change and transform your mindset, your personality, your nature stuff, so you actually look like Jesus? And if there is going to be anger in your life, it's not going to be an unrighteous anger. It's going to be a righteous anger. Paul goes on in verse 28 and says that we are to put off stealing and we're to put on work. And then he gives a little caveat and he says, the reason that I'm to not steal right? And we're not just talking about money. We're talking about time. We're talking about resources. Well, there, there should be no thievery in my life. Why? I should be working. 
Well, why should I be working? Because I should always have something to give to those who have need. That, that if anytime someone says, hey, do you have, could you help? Well, then I have something to give. Now, I may not have money. I get that. But you should be able to give time. You should be able to give encouragement. You should be able to give wisdom. And yes, we should be able to give resource, finances, because we are working and laboring. But the idea is, is that we always have something to give. So we're not going to just take the whole idea is I'm going to work. Why? So I always have something to give. Paul says that in verse 29, I'm to put off unwholesome and corrupt speech, and I'm to put on edifying language. In other words, if I am clothed with Christ, that should affect my, my mouth. That should affect the language of which I'm speaking. And I'm not to tear down and, and, and bring unwholesome corruption or, or polluted kind of language. Rather, I should be speaking in a way that builds up, edifies, and encourages you. In verses 30 through 32, Paul says, I'm to put off, and, and almost as a blanket statement, everything that grieves the Holy Spirit. Let me read what he gives as a specific in verse 31. This is the amplified version. He says, let all bitterness and, uh, it, it, sorry, I'll let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, this passion, rage, and bad temper and resentment, this anger and animosity and quarreling, which is brawling, clamor and contention and all slander, this evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language. Let all of that be banished from you with all malice, which is spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. So anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit, anything that doesn't look like Jesus needs to be put off from our lives. Well, what do we put on then? Paul says that we are to, if I may simplify it, we're to put on Jesus. We're to put on that which actually pleases the Holy Spirit. And very specifically, he says in verse 32, that we're to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also graciously forgiven us. Now, that's through the end of the chapter. But what's interesting is he comes into verse, or sorry, chapter five, verse one, he says the word therefore again. And he continues this idea. Now, he doesn't use the clothing put off, put on language, but he's given again a series of contrasts of things that should not be in our life with things that should be in our life. And just since we're in a flow of these contrasts, uh, put off and put on, let me just go through a few of these from chapter five that again, we'll look at more specifically in a future study of what he's saying in terms of this does not look like a Christian, but yet this is what Christ looks like lived out in your life. So a few more of these put off and put ons, if I may use that language, he says in Ephesians 5.3 that we are to put off all sexual immorality or any impurity or greed. And there was anything that is sexually demented or twisted that has to go. Well, what do we put on? Purity. Because Christ is pure. He says in chapter 5, verse 4, that we're to put off all filthiness and foolish talk and coarse jesting, which is a lot of that bathroom humor kind of stuff. That, that should not define the language of a believer. Well, what is the language of a Christian all about? Paul says it should be all about thanksgiving, that there should be this rejoicing and, and thanks coming out of our lips. In verses 8 through 13, of chapter five, Paul says that we are to put off darkness and we're to put on light. In verses 15 and 16, we're to put off foolishness, which again goes back to the idea of that world stuff. And we are to put on 
wisdom. We're to literally put on the mind of Christ. And in verse 18, Paul says that we're to put off drunkenness and dissipation. So we're to put off anything that fills us up and puts us in a weird fog and a haze where we're not thinking clearly. Well, what are we to do instead? Oh, we're to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Do you recognize that the life of Christ, if we truly are clothed in Christ Jesus, that will affect everything in our lives. It affects our language. It affects our actions. It affects our inward attitudes and desires and emotions. Christ is to change and affect everything in us. That I can't say, well, this is how I grew up or, well, this is my personality because the former things have indeed passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Put off, put on. So based on just this whole construct and this idea that we've been walking through with the clothing of a Christian, let me give you a few quick practical applications. Number one, is Jesus merely an add-on to your life or is he actually your life? Colossians chapter three, verse four. I love what Paul says. He says, when Christ, who is our life, that again, he, he's not an add-on. He's not an improvement. He, he, it's, this is not a, you know, a country club or a social club that we, you know, we gather on Sundays. Christ, who is Lord of all. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the universe. He is God almighty. Christ, when he invades your life, when you are clothed with him, changes everything. So have you made him an add-on to your life? In other words, I'm still living my life, but I'm adding on a little bit of Jesus. Or as Paul exhorts, have you put off the old and have you made your life centered on Jesus Christ? Is he the fullness of your life? And then a second question we could ask ourselves is this, has the life of Christ truly changed and transformed every area of our lives. Paul in Colossians 1.18 says this, that Jesus himself will come to have first place in everything. Or the ESV says it this way, that he in everything might be preeminent. Is Jesus truly preeminent in your life? Does he truly have first place in you? In other words, if someone was to cut you down the middle, would, would Jesus just flow out of you? I, I've been giving these quotes by Ian Thomas, but again, Ian Thomas, in the last study, we looked at this idea of that the only explanation for your life should be Jesus. That when someone looks at you, they don't go, oh, I, I know how you're living your life. Great wisdom. Woo, look at that talent. Rather, they should go, I have no idea how you're living. I, I don't understand how when, when the culture gets as dark as it is and getting worse, that you have great hope. I don't understand that when, if the economy tanks, you're at peace. I don't understand that that one neighbor that just drives everybody crazy. How is it that you are showing them love? See, wouldn't it be interesting if the only explanation for our lives truly was Jesus? And the onlooking world, when they see you, they actually don't see you. They see your clothing, which is to be Christ. Can I encourage you to pursue him? Can I encourage you again, if there's anything of the old, to throw that off, to embrace the new, which is Jesus Christ, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is 
our robe of righteousness. He is that garment of salvation. He is our life. And would you allow him to affect, to change and transform every, every area of your life? We need those kind of Christians in our world today. And I'm praying that in your life. Would you pursue him afresh and go after him? Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.